You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimal of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Hey, what's up, everybody? Got a couple things to get through today before we get right into this episode, and so I'll jump right in with minimal nonsense. So the first thing is, as you are probably aware, and if you're not, you are now, the continent of Australia is on fire, like quite literally. If you look at a a satellite view of it, it's it's bad. It's very, very, very bad. The fires down there are awful. And they've displaced a lot of people and killed a lot of animals. And it's just, it's a terrible, terrible situation. And it's not getting a whole lot of coverage in mainstream, you know, non-digital media for whatever reason. But that's the way all important issues seem to go. Anyway, that's a sidebar. What's really important is that the gear community has banded together yet again to try to help out in the whatever way we can. We, you know, we're small fish in a big pond, but we do what we can. And the Aussie bushfire giveaway has been put together by Nautilus Effect Systems, and tons and tons of manufacturers have contributed to it. Now, I'm not involved in organizing it, so make sure you go to the GoFundMe page to check out all the details and make sure nothing has changed in between now and when you're hearing this. But basically how it works is... Anyone who donates 10 Australian dollars or more to the GoFundMe gets entered into a giveaway for one of the pieces of gear that have been contributed for this. So there's like 70 plus pieces of gear right now that are up for grabs, and it's going to a good cause, so make sure you hit the link in the show notes and check all that out. I think it's important that we come together in times like this, especially, you know, I mean, it's just terrible. Google it if you haven't heard about it yet. And if you have, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. On a much less serious note, we have NAM coming up. And I talked about it on the last episode, but I know that there's people who download different episodes at different times. So we got to plug this. On Thursday, January 16th, so just coming up here in a few days, we're doing a listener meetup at NAM, and it's at the Anaheim Packing District. If you search that, you should be able to find it. It's a really cool like food court type thing with lots of different restaurants from Vietnamese to grilled cheese, like quite literally. So there's, I think there's like 12 different restaurants in there, something like that. And yes, of course, there is pizza available because, you know, why would I pick something that didn't have pizza? So again, that is Thursday, January 16th. And I didn't say this earlier, but at 7 p.m. Thursday, January 16th at 7 p.m. So mark that on your calendars if you're going to be at NAM. We're going to be out there hanging out and having a great old time. And yeah, should be should be a good time. I know it's not a traditional pizza party like we've done in the past, but I feel like this is a little bit easier for everybody, and there's not generally a whole lot going on on Thursday. So that's when we're doing it. Thursday, January 16th, 7 p.m. Okay, what else? I think that's it for now. Let's get right into the episode. This episode is pretty interesting. So... 
The man I'm talking to today is named Matt Armstrong. He's a bassist, and he has played bass for a lot of bands. I met him briefly when I was hanging out with Frank Iero, showing him some nerd stuff, and I was trying to figure out how I knew him. I think I talk about this in the episode a little bit. Well, it turns out he played bass for a long time in one of my favorite bands, Murder by Death, and I did not put two and two together because I am not a very smart person, and yeah, that's what happened. So I, I reached out to him and was like, dude, I just realized who you are, I've watched you play a million times, and you're fantastic, and I think you should come on the show. So Matt came on the show, we nerded out, it was a good time. So there you go. That is the backstory. All right, let's get right into the episode with Mr. Matt Armstrong. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Tone Mob podcast, the show about guitar tone and the people behind it. I'm your host, Blake Wyland, and with me today, I have Matt Armstrong from the Future Violence. What's going on, man? Hey, man. Hanging in there. How are, you, how are you? Oh, dude, I just had a sandwich, so I'm doing really better than average, I would say. It's it's, a... Yeah, I'm in the same exact boat, in fact. So. Oh, man. Sandwich-fueled podcasting. This is going to be great. Right. We'll just have to stifle the, the sandwich burps, but I, I think we can do it. What kind of sandwich did you have? I had a turkey sandwich. I also had a turkey sandwich. Very good. I mean, if it ain't broke, right? Yeah. Yeah. We we can go into de- details on this. We're a detail oriented show, so you uh, d- you know, we got some mayo, we got some mustard. What do we? What do we? What's going on? What kind of bread we uh, slapping on this sandwich? Um, uh, it was some kind of uh semi healthy whole wheat type bread, Beautiful. but uh, not 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 getting into hippie territory. Um, <laughs> and I'm a, I'm a mustard guy, not a mayo guy per se. Okay. Um, but the, the game changer I found recently is uh, you can get various little crispy vegetable things uh, mm-hmm. at the grocery store. What? Uh, yeah. So they have like crispy garlic and crispy jalapenos Stop and it. crispy yeah, onions and uh-huh. red peppers. And so, yeah. So those are those are my new little secret cheat weapon that I throw on those things just to make it a little more uh, like take it from a Tuesday date to a Saturday date. You know? Oh man, what section of the store do you find those in? Is it in the produce aisle? Um, yeah, it's it, at my at my store. It's uh, it's kind of like on an end cap over where you would find stuff like the already minced garlic in a jar, that kind of stuff. Gotcha. I got to keep my eyes peeled. They're in little like a game changer. Yeah, they are a game. They're great to throw in eggs, stuff like that too. Mm. Um, but they're in a little zippy bag kind of thing that also looks like granola and other stuff so you have to be careful in the morning because you could you know like alter the course of your day without meaning to <laughs> like mm, this is delicious it's granola. been close it's gonna be so good mm, garlic wait a minute right <laughs> yeah so that's that's the uh the caveat on that i guess okay um just read your re- read your packaging all right well thank you this is a this is turning out to be a very educational episode for me. I'm liking this. This is great. I, yeah, it's we're off to a great start. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to fill in a little bit of backstory about how we we got to be talking, and then we'll get into you. Um, I had it's, okay. it's it's almost almost entirely uh, a story of me being dumb. Uh, so <laughs> I I for the listeners I I met Matt in person 
when I was hanging out with Frank and showing him some pedals before a show here in Portland, uh, some of you guys may have seen some posts about that in various places. Um, Frank Hero of Future Violence and My Chemical Romance and former guest on the podcast, yada, 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 yada. Uh, and I was talking to Matt quite a bit. I was looking at his EGC bass and looking at his pedal board and it was awesome and we were nerding out on stuff. And I, the whole time I'm thinking, I know this guy. Like I've, I've seen him in person before, I, I, but where would I have seen him? Like this, he's touring with a band. I don't, I can't figure this out. And a couple weeks later, it, it dawned on me where I knew him from because he's, uh, he, he's played bass on one of my favorite records and he's uh, in a great band or was in a great band for a long time called uh, Murder by Death, which uh, a lot of you guys probably know and I've talked about on the podcast before. And uh, he looked familiar to me because I'd stood about three feet from him and watched him play for an hour or so, you know, a couple times. So it all came together <laughs> and uh, I realized the error of my ways. And here we are. We're, we're here to nerd out and talk <laughs> about whatever happens to come up, which so far is sandwiches. So is that is that is, a pretty which, succinct? Yeah. Is that is that a pretty accurate from your viewpoint how this came to be? I, th I think, yeah, that, I think that that checks all the boxes. All right. Sweet. So now we can get into you, uh, which is what the show's about. Okay. So tell me your tell me your whole story. Tell me tell me from when you started playing bass to when you you know where you are today. Like how did that journey transpire? Oh well, um, let me see. I I got my um, I got my first bass on my thirteenth birthday. Um which would have been in 1993 for anybody who's doing math. Um, but uh, it was one of those things where, you know, I had, I had musical friends and stuff and they all played guitar and I thought that was super cool. And I thought that that's what I wanted to do. But uh, then there, it just ended up being that a neighbor, like at the end of the block was selling a bass. So that's what I got. Um, <laughs> so at first it was kind of like, it was a weird mixture of like, cool, I have a thing now. But then it was also like, oh, man, but it's not the thing that I thought I wanted. Uh, but I guess I better figure this thing out anyway. Right, know? right. Uh, <laughs> which ended up being a, a great thing. But um, it, it's weird because, you know, at, at that age, especially like you're you're very like in receptor mode and you're just like learning about stuff and, and taking it all in and kind of figuring out what you like and what you don't like and all that. And, um, but so like at the time, you know, like I have a bass, but I don't really know how to play it, but I'm also getting super into just like listening to music. So I'm hearing all of this stuff. That's, that's making me realize that there's more stuff possible with a bass than I thought. I mean, I thought it was all just like low note, just do, 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 you know, kind of stuff. Uh, and I was finding out that that did not have to be the case. Um, so you know, there was all kinds of weird stuff coming into my world kind of at the same time, you know? Um, so of course, I mean, like that's, that's about the time that I discovered, you know, like the cure and joy division and stuff like that, which is, you know, um, as far as bass, like there's a lot more kind of leady stuff going on and, um, and certainly some interesting tunes. Yeah. Uh, that kind of thing. More textures and um, more but out there stuff a little bit. For sure. Right. And then that and then like, uh, you know, like all that high stuff that Peter Hook does. But then also um, 
not just the Simon Gallup, the, the stuff that he does, but then there's also all of that basic stuff going on with the cure. And that was one of those, like, it took me forever to figure out why their guitars so often sounded a certain way and it didn't sound like anything else. And it's because it's this weird bass thing, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so all of that was going on. And then, you know, some friend hipped me to, uh, to Ned's atomic dustbin, which to this day, I am still a thousand percent unapologetically a fan of that band. Um, which, you know, had the cool two bass thing going on. Um, so there was a lot of stuff that got me thinking about, you know, what you could do with it, like as a melodic thing and not just a, a holding it together thing. Um, but then there was all, all this other like guitar stuff that I was finding out about and things like pedals and like, like, whoa, you can do that, you know? So uh, the Jesus and Mary chain. And then, you know, somebody gave me a copy of the Benz by Radiohead. And, um, you know, just there was all kinds of stuff going on, um, especially like as a teenager in the 90s. And and thinking that pedals might be a thing you're into, it was a great time, great time for all that. Right. Stuff. Uh, you know, um, and of course, you know, you couldn't get away from uh, like between the bends and, you know, liking Rage Against the Machine as much as anybody else did and kind of figuring out what was going on under the hood there. And then also like um, Octune Baby is still a record that I think is awesome. And uh so as far as like figuring out things like the whammy pedal and all the weird stuff you could do with that, that was one that I had kind of a crush on like pretty early on in, uh, in terms of that whole thing. Um, and then, uh, you know, still try, trying to figure out how the Jesus and Mary chain did that weird helicopter, awful screechy thing that they do that we all love <laughs> them for doing. Exactly. Realizing that's mostly just a, a broken thing. Um, and then, uh, like towards the end of high school, uh, when Lollapalooza was still a tour, um, I went and saw that and uh, I ended up seeing Failure twice in the same day because that was somebody had dropped off. And so they had them open the big stage and also like close out the small one. So I ended up seeing Failure twice in a day and was kind of like, hey, girl, what's up? You know, um, <laughs> like, please tell me more. Uh, can I slide yeah. into these DMs real quick? I, they didn't even have DMs then. That's how old we are. But, I know. Um, no, I, yeah. I know. I, I'm there too. <laughs> yeah. And then, <laughs> so there's all that stuff. And then, you know, I, I get to college and, uh, then I'm, I, there was an RA in my dorm, um, that we would always trade stuff to listen to. And, um, he's the first one who gave me a Mogwai album to listen to. He was like, I can't believe you don't already have this ticket and get out. Um, so stuff like that. And, and then like, you know, you, uh, I was in an, uh, an older band with some friends who were very into hum. So it was like, Oh, I think I'm just going to do everything in drop D for a while. Um, you know, so they're just, again, like there's this very like receptor mode thing that, um, that you get into for a while. I, it hasn't really stopped that much. <laughs> um, yeah, I was going to say, I think once that's engaged, it's just part of how you operate in a lot of ways. I mean, I'm just simply like doing my version of whatever people I think are cool is are do, you know. And so it's just like it's. I'm just trying. Oh, sure. to, I'm just yeah. trying to rip off people that I I I admire and do a bad job of it, and it becomes my thing. I guess. <laughs> it's, it's. I I mean, I that's that's how it keeps going. I think. Mm -hmm. Self perpetuating. Uh, I, I I I totally feel that. Yeah, for sure. Um. It's weird because when you know. 
like I have my my handful of like of base dudes that I love, you know, but a lot of the stuff that really kind of at least kind of flipped that switch for me earlier was was guitar stuff too. But um you know, I mean like guys like Adam Clayton or and uh and John Curley from the Afghan Wigs, I think are amazing bass players and still some of my favorite guys that do that they do their thing really well and mm-hmm. there have definitely been times where it's like i hope neither of them is watching me right now because i would owe them money if i hadn't <laughs> uh, like wait a minute we should get royalties so, off of that what's going on uh, i'm like yeah, i guess you can have my pedals if i die soon because that's all <laughs> that's like all i have to offer you <laughs> i that i similar. And my love obviously well of course Sorry to derail you there, but anyway, so no, no worries, man. Um, so yeah, you were in receptor mode, and then, then what happened? When did you join the? When did you like? <clears throat> what was your first band like? Uh, that first band was the one that was that was very. Um, we kind of used hum as a as a jumping oh, off point. Oh, gotcha. Uh, oh, okay. I yeah, got, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, that was that was early college, and then um. It was weird. So I'd, I'd spent all of this time like in, in high school, basically <laughs> playing alone and trying to figure out how to do this more leady kind of guitar stuff. And I, you know, so I kind of got to a place with that, but then it became clear that that was not necessarily going to work well in a band setting. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of been this years long process of like, in a lot of ways, sort of pulling back from that and, and not just being like a one man looping and layering kind of thing to like, how do I, how do I play in a band with other people? Cause they'd probably like to play stuff too. Um, so that's kind of where that, that started was like, Oh, like I've, I've owned a bass and made noises with it, but now I have to figure out how to like play it like a bass player in a band. If I want to be in a band. Gotcha. Um, so, and I, that's, I think you continue to learn how to do that. But you kind of have to understand the rules and then decide how much you care about following them or not. Because that's not always, you know, the thing you're going to do, I guess. Of course. Knowing knowing when to break things, though, is obviously beneficial. Yeah, but you kind of you have to have at least some understanding of of like why this should or shouldn't work. And then like, are, am I going to do this or not? Right. Foundation type stuff. Right, right, right. That kind of thing. So <clears throat> there was that band for a minute. And then the guy who was the drummer um had also started playing with these other guys that were also in our dorm and that that was the very early version of little joe gould that would then become murder by death but basically they did a show or two i think and then everybody went home for the summer and then when we came back uh not everybody was coming back and they didn't have bass so he brought me in and that's kind of how that whole thing formed gotcha so did you know when that band started that there was something special there or was it a, a thing that developed over time? I mean, I don't think anybody thought that it was going to go as long or as big or whatever as it did, but I think we all kind of maybe hoped it would. Um, I mean, initially that was just the thing where it's like, you know, we're all friends and we seem to be on, on the same general page of the kind of stuff that we'd like to be doing. And, um, you know, it was very much a college town thing. So it's like, we're going to be going to these parties anyway. Why don't we play there and be the band that everybody 
is stoked on and, you know, not have to chip in a couple of bucks to, uh, to drink keg beer or whatever it is. <laughs> right. Right. We, <laughs> yeah. can, we can get paid in beer. It'll be better than the other. Well, way sure. Around. But yeah, absolutely. Right. 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 Um, but, uh, I mean, I think everybody knew that there was something going on. I don't know if anybody had really thought about like where it could go or anything like that, but it was definitely like, this is fun. I don't see why we shouldn't be doing this. And then, we just continue to get more serious about it. Was there a was there a kind of a light bulb moment where you all, you all just sat down and were like, "Listen, if we need to, you know, we need to make a go of this," or did it just was it just a series of continuous happy accidents? I've heard both stories, and it's always kind of interesting to see which way it goes. <clears throat> well, uh, you know, initially it started as just uh, playing in town as much as we could. You know, a lot of. Uh, basements and uh there was this this uh anarchist bookstore that we used to play at quite a bit um that kind of stuff and then then there was a, a couple of years of uh of basement show stuff um there were two houses that were actually across the street from each other a bunch of them lived in one one year and then moved across the street the next but soundproof the basements and so we'd have you know regional bands come through and and play parties there and then we started going out on weekends where we could and sort of, uh, you know, swapping shows with with those bands, having them try and host us somehow in in their town. Gotcha. And then and then I was the oldest one at the time. So it, the timing just worked out that when I graduated, um, we started trying to, to make a go of it more seriously that summer. So that was uh, 2002. And then, um, okay. And then, and then it was, was it just like, you seem like the type of person who didn't necessarily set out to be a bass player in a band, but yet you ended up being the, uh, from my understanding, you ended up doing that for your living for, you know, from that time period to, was it 2016? Is that, is that accurate? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I think it, once I decided that music was kind of the thing that I was really into, I mean, I, you know, I'd always hoped that it would be a thing that I did and, and could hopefully blow most of everything else off if, <laughs> if possible. Um, I don't know that I set out to, it, when the light bulb went off, it wasn't like, I hope I'm a bass player in a band forever. It was just like, but I definitely want to be in a band for sure. Got you know? you. I want to be in a band. Gotcha. And so doing something. Yeah. Right. Right. Something in the, in the scene, in the world. So how did you integrate your effects with that band? And then how is that different than what you're doing these days? Well, the <clears throat> one of the things that was always the hardest about that band was um, figuring out where there was room for stuff to go. Mm -hmm. um, that was that was always tricky. And then, I mean, just by the nature of, of the instrumentation, you know, there is a bass guitar and cello and keyboards. And then, you know, eventually we started tuning stuff down as well. So like the, the amount of low end and, and competition for it uh, was huge and just was always getting bigger. Um, and then also when you're in a young band, I mean, like everybody tries to play as much as they possibly can all of the time. Of course. You know, and that's a thing you have to, You've been there. I mean, that's just the thing that you have to you have to grow out of. Um, so all of this has been like you know continual 
process kind of stuff. But, um, a lot of times it was just sort of like, well, okay, if this is covered and this is covered, maybe if I do some kind of weird pitch shifty thing or something up high, you know, like that's the thing that's missing to, to fill it out, you know, or maybe it's like somebody else wants to do the high floaty stuff. So I'll just, you know, chug low or, or whatever. But there was a lot of just like, I already had a lot of these pieces and stuff uh, of gear. So it was sort of like, I mean, at first, it, you know, when you get a new toy, you want to see where it'll work, like immediately, just because you're excited about it. After a while, it's sort of like, these are the things that I have. Um, what makes sense? I mean, hopefully you get better about that stuff, but uh, who knows? Gotcha. So you, it was it was more yeah. about it was more about uh, in that band. It seems like it was more about just finding like, OK, this is the frequency range I'm sitting in for this song. And now now how do I play in this narrow field? sort of sort of operation yeah there was definitely a lot of that um at, at least for a while you know um and then as there was some lineup changes and stuff and, and other instruments came in um you know it's, the, it's like all of a sudden that this guy can also play the mandolin or the you know the horns or whatever so there, there was always there's always kind of a chase of some sort you know um it's like if there's this new instrument, then we need to like find a, a spot for it. Um, so there was a lot of sort of like what's definitely like what definitely has to happen, and then kind of what's what's left over. Um, and then yeah, uh, towards the end of my my tenure with that band, there you know we had uh, we had lap steel too, and all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of like who needs to cover what, and then hopefully I've got something that will allow me to to do whatever needs doing. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that kind of thing. Do you remember what your rig looked like towards the end of the band? Yeah. Um, the end of that was, um, it was a, uh, a 412 base cab that this company old crow built for me. Okay. Um, which I used on the, on the future violence record too. It's, it's a great cab. Um, that was the thing too, is that we, there were a lot of, of amps switching around, um, trying to get that stuff figured out as well. Um, like I, I did an 810 forever in that band, but then, uh, you know, at some point it's like, oh, we're trying to do a 610 on the cello, but this isn't right. So like she switched to a 15 and I tried a 215, but it uh, it didn't distort right at lower tunings and stuff. So then I ended up getting approached about having that 412 made and that like really let things kind of, you know, have their own separation and stuff. Mm -hmm. But, uh, the end of that was that 412 cab and, um, an orange base terror head. Nice. I still use that too. And that was just a good workhorse deal. Uh, that head has, it's the thousand water. So it's like, it has plenty of juice and, um, the, the twelves you can just, you can hear better on stage, I think. Um, and it, it just sort of, gave everything its own, its own kind of space to inhabit instead of everybody. It didn't feel like so much of a fight for, uh, for frequency, you know? Yeah. What about your pedal board? But we went through a lot, we went through a lot of gear trying trying to get that stuff (laughs) nailed down. Oh yeah. I believe that a lot. It's the never ending chase, right? It's just, yeah. And all of, all of it is. Yes. (laughs) So what did the, what did your pedal board look like? 
Uh, you can remember that, that, that. That can be hard to do off um, of memory. Well, there's there are a few key players um, for the last bit of that thing that were just because they were important to it. Um, let me see. Like the delays and the overdrives and stuff like that kind of change around, but um, the Pog Two was a really important one um, for a lot of this like sub octave swelly stuff, and um, and I still had the Pitchfork uh, that I was using for an octave up. Okay, got you. And and um, I think towards the end of that, it was there was an OCD and. Um, probably the fuzzrocious rat tail and, uh, gray stash. Oh yeah. Love the gray And then, stash. yeah, so good. Um, and then I was using a, a Digitech jam man looper, but basically as a sampler. And I'm trying to remember for delay and reverb and stuff. I think it was still, yeah. Uh, there was a carbon copy and, uh, an afterneath, uh, by earthquaker usually run together so this just might, for kind of whoosh. yeah well you may have just answered what my next question was going to be as i was going to say i i'm not a bass player at all and i i've always wondered when i've seen this because I, I i've never really been able to sonically pick out when it's happening other than the moments you just described is when when i see a lot of bassists with reverbs on their board and i'm always like i don't hear any reverb though like so many bass players have reverb and I and I almost never can tell when that's being used uh, in a bass context. Can you explain how you would use it? Yeah, well, for for the murder by death stuff, if I was using that, it was usually um, like if I was doing like a high, really fast picking kind of thing, mm -hmm. um, like kind of a Mogwai guitar sort of sort of thing. Um, and sometimes that was also pitch shifted. Um Honestly, for for the future violence stuff, I think there's only, I think it's only on twenty four karat lush that I actually use it while I'm playing. But mostly, it's it's for um, for stage, just kind of like hitting stuff at the end, so that something is sort of ringing out and uh, kind of whooshing around the room while everybody retunes before you go into the next thing. Gotcha, got it's a space filler. Uh, I, it, yeah, I mean, live. That's what a lot of it is for. Um, but I think it's cool that if, you know, you're seeing this thing around, but you're not really able to pick it out, but you know that everything just sounds good. Um, I think that's probably a good thing. That's true. That's very um, true. Unless you're just trying to, to draw attention to it. It just depends what you're going for, I guess. Yeah, I guess there are definitely times where I've liked to be subtle and other times where it's like, I want you to be confused about where that sound is coming from. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I guess mission accomplished then I've been confused a lot. Uh, especially listening to that band, trying to figure out what everyone is doing is like, it's one of the interesting things yeah. about listening to Murder by Death is actually trying to figure out. And that was one songs. of the things that was really, it was really fun about it. Yeah. Cause it's like, I bet you think you know where that's coming from, but you're wrong. Cause it's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I remember some of that about watching you play and I would, I would be looking for the guitar part or I'm like, where, Oh, he's doing it. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Yeah. I remember, I remember specifically thinking that. So it's, it's cool to hear you talk about it. Ooh. Yeah. And that was also, there's also just a fun thing with like, I wonder if I could get away with this, you know, <laughs> like a, like a something like what a bank robber feels like. 
right? Just, uh, can I pull this heist sort of. off? Can I yeah. pull it off? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, like when, um, trying to think, this is probably about the time that we started working on, um, on bitter drink, bitter moon. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I'd been into loopers and that kind of stuff for a while. Um, but you know, we never did anything where it's like, here's a part to play along with, but I, figured that you could use it sort of as a sampler or just to have little things kind of appear and disappear. And that was about the time that, um, <clears throat> when Warren Ellis started going really crazy with, uh, like the dig Lazarus dig Nick cave record came out and they started doing grinder man also. Mm-hmm. I remember that. So I was both. Yeah. So it was, that was both kind of like, um, inspiring and reaffirming that this was a thing that you could do. And it was kind of rad if you knew what you were doing. Um, so a lot more of that stuff started started popping up around that time on our stuff. Um, like that song Lost River has like this weird little droney thing that's a loop that goes through the whole thing. And then there's also like that poggy reverbed out bass part that sounds like a weird low keyboard or whatever. Yeah, that's what that uh, is. OK, yeah. interesting. Yeah, that's what that is. Oh, mm-hmm. OK. Well, this is one of my favorite. That's one of my favorite records, as we've talked about a couple of times. So. So I know exactly what you're talking about. That's great. Yes. So when you hear that song start, there's that weird howly kind of thing that you sometimes you hear and sometimes you don't. But it's mm-hmm. it's going through the whole thing. Gotcha. Um, Interesting. And then the bass is like all it's like a two octave down swelly thing that's that's echoing out. So like that's the bass on that song is all just like magic tricks, basically. <laughs> well, it sounds good. I like the tricks. The tricks tricks aren't just for kids. Me apparently. too. Thank you. Right. <laughs> so how did you get involved so well i guess maybe we could talk about what why did you end up you know leaving that band if you don't if you can if you can talk about that and then how did you end up with frank uh and the future violence well um the, the very short answer was just that it was it was time to do something else and i i kind of needed a break from that world for a minute anyway mm-hmm. um but as I was sort of just kind of wandering the earth, trying to figure out what I was going to do next. Um, I saw that Frank was coming to town, uh, on that Deftones tour that they were opening and he and I have stayed in touch because we, he and I have been friends for, it's coming up on about 20 years, I think. Uh, cause MBD and Mike Kim and Thursday all put out their first records on eyeball, like way back in the day. So we've oh. all known each other basically since, since the beginning. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, so I was just, I went to the show and hadn't seen Frank in like 10 years at the time. And was just like, hey man, I'm a free agent now, so if you know anybody that's looking for a dude, like, I, you know, I can be ready tomorrow. And he's like, well, you know, let's talk soonish, I think. And then, um, it's like, so what I'm thinking for this next chapter of this thing that I've been doing is, you know, I want you to play bass, and then uh, if we can get Tucker, I want to get Tucker. And then said Tucker's in, so it was like, cool. There, there's the band, you know. Nice. Uh, and then we, uh, then we started working on that stuff. And uh, I hadn't met Kaylee yet, but Frank and Evan knew Kaylee and was like, man, I think she'd be awesome. So we brought her in, and it was awesome. And so then that's that's kind of the whole the whole deal there. That's that's really cool. How involved? Yeah, were were you and the rest of the band in the writing process, or was it mostly Frank, or what did it what did it look like? <clears throat> well, I mean, it was one of those things. That, you know, everybody certainly pulled their own weight, but uh, a lot of those songs were were ones that uh, 
that he had, you know, an idea for and, and that kind of stuff. But a lot of it was just sort of hammering it out in the basement. Um, gotcha. The classic. There are, there, yeah. We, it, it, a lot about how that record went down was, was sort of kind of back, back to the, the roots thing, like done in a basement, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, he had, Frank had the bulk of the songs for sure. And then, um, there are two, two ideas that Evan came out with, came up with that are, uh, Ode to Destruction and The Host were riffs that he had. And then, um, 24 Karat Lush is one that, that I had, but they were all kind of like, Hey, I've got this thing. I think we should work on it. And those are the ones that like that he and I brought in that ended up, you know, becoming full fledged. So cool. So cool. It's such a, it's such a cool project and it's, it's interesting. I, you know, I don't know uh, that much about everybody that's involved, but it's interesting to hear since I do, you know, I'm pretty familiar with your work and Frank's work. It's interesting to hear it all come together in the form that it is. It's not what I would have expected, to be honest. It's kind of, it's more than that. It's got a lot more, um, just there's so much more going on behind it. And I feel like that's probably due to a lot of your experience in your other band. Is that an accurate uh, guess? Well, yeah. And I, I think everybody was really excited that, you know, I mean, cause like, obviously we knew about what was going on, but we, we didn't tell anybody until it was kind of a done deal. Um, I mean, basically for, for months and months, <clears throat> you know, basically Frank was like, Hey, there's a new thing coming, but I'm not going to tell you who it is or what's going on. Uh, meanwhile, we're just like furiously working on it. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but we love the idea that it's like, once we do tell everybody who's involved, there's probably going to be a lot of guesses as to what this thing is going to sound like. And it's not going to sound like what they think it's going to sound like probably. And that's fun. Um, it, it was fun to know that at least for a brief window, it's like, there's probably going to be some expectations, but they're going to be wrong and hope, you know, hopefully they're exceeded, but who knows? Um, but you know, nobody wanted to, to make a record that sounded, you know, like a sequel to something they had already done already. Of course um, not. And the whole thing was like, th like this should be fun. We've we've been pals for a long time. We've played a million shows together, but we've never written stuff together. So let's do that, and let's you know, if it's cool, let's do it. And if it's not cool, you know, no hard feelings. But I, I think we all think it's probably going to be cool. We hope. <laughs> I guess there's not very many people who will work on a project to this depth uh, if it's not something that they think is going to be cool. It's not it's not a super common yeah. it's not a super common way to approach something that requires that much effort. Right, right, for sure. Yeah. I mean it's like look, if if we're going to spend the time and then, you know, eventually be away from home for for all the time that that's going to entail, you know, like it should be worth it. Like it should be good and it should be fun. Otherwise, like why are we why are we doing this? Mhm. Mm Absolutely. So switching gears a little bit, we talked about a lot of your early influences when you first were getting started. Mm -hmm. What about some modern people? Who are you putting on these days? What are you listening to? What gets you fired up to play or fired up to do anything, really? What are you listening to these days? Well, uh, let me think. And I, I kind of go in, in periods, sort of. Like, I'll just be, like, really stoked on something and just sort of do that for, you know, six months or a year or whatever. But... um you know, in the last couple of years, a lot of bands that I love have come back um, as strong or stronger than they 
than they ever were. So like there are two new failure albums out. They're both great. You know, um, I was, I was late to the, uh, to the quicksand party. I didn't really super dive into that catalog until they came out with, uh, interiors. And, uh, I still listen to that record. Like you beat me to all these great sounds and parts <laughs> and stuff, you know? Um, Cause Sergio is such a monster player. Um, uh, there's a, a Scottish band called the twilight sad who are not that new, but new ish, new, new to my world. Um, they've been picking up a lot of steam cause they've been uh, like the cure has decided that they're their favorite band. And so if they're playing a show, they're playing also. Um, well, that helps. They're they're pretty pretty special and cool. Um, uh, what else? I will also do this thing where I'll go back and rediscover bands that I used to listen to and just kind of forgot about for no particular reason. Mm-hmm. Um, like right now, since we've been doing so much flying, I've been playing the whole uh, "Hey, what's on my iPod?" that I haven't listened to ever, or it's been a while, and. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I've been I started revisiting all of the, uh, and you'll notice by the Trail of Dead albums. Oh, that band was totally sick. They were sick. I forgot about that band. Exactly. I we played with them once. They were super great, and it was just like I just got busy with other stuff, and then I went back and went. I've heard that Source Tags and Codes record a million times. What about these other two that are on here that I don't know where I got them? I've never listened to these. I should do that, and I did. And guess what? They're also great. Oh, um, man. I'm so glad you brought them up. I loved that band back in the day and literally until just now kind of forgot about them like almost entirely. Yeah, dude. Re- revisit that band. is That stuff holds up. Um, yeah. You know, there's just there's so much stuff. Like if you if you could get paid to make it your 24 hour day a job just to listen to all of the music, like you would still not have enough time to do it. Oh, yeah. You'd never um, hear it all ever. Yeah. And then, you know, so there's all that stuff. But some days it's like, all I want to do is listen to Queens of the Stone Age for a week straight because they rip. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, Moods can go so, so haywire. But I guess the good news is there's always something that will fit that. You just got to know where to look. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Sebado's still putting out records that are still great. Um, I don't know. Uh, Who else? Russian circles are still awesome. Um, yeah, I just kind of like to see who's doing stuff and then see if I still like it. But I'm trying to think if there's been somebody just like new, just out of the gate that that blew me away. And I don't know. Oh, I was super late to the uh, to the Swans party, but I'm up to my eyeballs in that stuff. Not all of it. Some of it is just straight up nightmare fuel. But I mean, <laughs> I appreciate it for what <laughs> nightmare fuel. But like when they I got mean, back. I- yeah right but like when they got back together it was like i I remember looking at those records in in college at the radio station or something and going i don't think i'm ready for this but one day i probably will be and i am now you know um i think that's one of the most i think best live bands i've ever seen but it's a whole thing and it's not for everybody i i i've never been i've never been brave enough to dip my toe in the water i feel like I feel like I understand things a little better now than I used to. And maybe, maybe it's time to give it a try. Maybe. I don't know if I'm ready for it. Yeah. I, and there's lots of different types of stuff that they've done. Like there's, there's a big, a big well to, to, to draw from. Um, 
but I think maybe starting from the the newly reformed like the the my father will guide me up a rope stuff like that's sort of easier not to say that it's easy but it's easier to sort of get into and then as you work backwards it, it's sort of like you kind of really got to want to be here i think <laughs> i'm not always up for it yeah you have to be right in the mood and yeah i yeah i, but I they also have a lot of different moods that's good yeah i'm almost entirely like it's i i i i've i'm trying to be better about it but i don't do as much active listening as i used to do in the sense that it's harder as you get older too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like, I used to be more, yeah, I would sit down and just stare at nothing and listen to a, or close my eyes or whatever, and just listen to a record. And it's, I mean, this day and these days and age, it's really hard to find the time, but it, it's, it's also mm-hmm. just a, it's a practice that I need to get better at. And, uh, uh, it's become such a passive thing for me to listen to things like it's, and it's entirely mood driven, but lately, uh, I've been diving in really hard into Dillinger Escape Plan. Uh, just, mm-hmm. just m- not in a, I mean, I really do like it. They're a great, phenomenal band. But it's I'm I'm diving into them sometimes when I'm not in the mood for it, just so I'll like analyze it a little bit. It's a really strange process. Yeah, I know this process that you're talking about, though, and it's weird too. Like, so much stuff changes as you get older. Like. Do you remember learning like it, the light coming on where you're like, just because I don't like something doesn't mean that it sucks. Yes. So maybe I should listen to it and appreciate it for what it is. That's big. Mm-hmm. And that's actually kind of a huge weight off your shoulders. You know, just walk around hating stuff that you don't like. You can just be like, I don't like it. That's fine. You know, but I at least get what's going on. Um, and I think forcing yourself to get into something like that, that you're not necessarily into it. At the very least, you're probably going to learn something. You'll at least understand why you don't like it, if nothing else, you know? Yeah, you'll know, like, oh, that's too atonal for me, or that's too whatever. You know, like, generally you can put your finger on it somewhere. Or it's like, oh, that guy's voice just doesn't work with my ears. I have that all the time. There's some very technically great singers that are like nails on a chalkboard to me. It's like, you're technically an amazing singer, but I can't listen to it. Right. And there's technically some singers who are not very good singers, but you're like, but I love that, you know? Oh, Um, yes, absolutely. At at most. (laughs) I mean, like a lot of people will like Greg Dooley is a great example of that. A lot of people are like, "Ugh, I would like that band if it weren't for that guy's voice. And I'm like, but I love that about that band. Yeah, that's but here I am making no sense because it's like I should love Modest Mouse, for example, because of what they do. But I can't get past that guy's voice. Can't do it tried can't do it i get it i totally understand i mean it's like lucero is one of my favorite bands ever and Mm -hmm. i love ben nichols voice and i also fully 100 understand why somebody wouldn't like it i get it and that was a big aha moment for me because i was like that band in particular i was listening to bike riders for the first time and i was like why do I like this is actually what I thought. I was like, it's so raw. It's so gravelly. It's so not necessarily in tune, but I love it. (laughs) Right. And there's, and there's, you're not going to be able to always find a satisfying answer to that stuff. Cause yeah, absolutely. It's like, it either just works for you or it doesn't. Um, Yeah. It's weird. It's so weird to like, try and see if you can figure out what your rules are. You probably can't do it. No, because there's always an exception. There's always an exception always. to your rules. It's like, I only like punk rock. That used to be my rule. That was the dumbest rule mm-hmm. anyone could ever put 
on themselves is only liking oh, a, I know. a genre. Yeah. But, you know, I was in high school and that was like my team, right? It's like, I'm a I'm a warp Tour kid. That's what I like, you know, and I like, everything else is terrible. Right. And it's such a dumb way to be. I'm like, wow, that is you just yeah. cut yourself off from all these great experiences just because that's not yes. who I am, bro. You know, it's just so dumb. Right. And I think that's part of what. Yeah. And I think maybe that's what happens. That's part of the getting older thing, too. It's like you go back and realize how much stuff you didn't really give a chance. But now that you don't feel that way anymore, like you can go back and do that. And you're like, man, I missed. I wasted some time. But then those are the lessons that kind of stick with you. <laughs> yes. Uh yeah, so it's a whole thing. But yeah, trying to figure out, it's like, oh, this band is great except for whatever, you know, whatever the part is. But it's like, okay, you couldn't take somebody like Freddie Mercury, who is undeniably a you know, fantastically talented singer in the traditional sense, great singer, right? You couldn't have Freddie Mercury sing for Fugazi. No, no, it wouldn't work. I would like to hear that but but it wouldn't be good you know what i mean it's just like those are the pieces where they're supposed to be and i don't know how that works but no i it just does i i know exactly what you mean and there's and there's all kinds of examples like this like throughout throughout all music like my wife uh, and i are big old school country fans and she for some reason doesn't like george jones so i'm like how can you like old school country okay. and not like george jones i don't get it but it's her. It's just like his voice. It just drives me crazy. And I'm like, I love his voice. But, you know, it's so subjective. Yeah. It makes you realize you can't just like, like, obviously, my wife is somebody that I love and have a lot of respect for and think that she, and she has pretty good taste in music most of the time. Uh, but, but uh, you know, it's like taking something like that, like, oh, this person that I really care about has an opinion that I just cannot get on board with. And at the same time, neither of us are wrong. That's that's what's that's what's yeah. so weird about it at the end of the day. Right. It's it doesn't and it doesn't have to be there doesn't have to be a winner. It's just like you can both win or lose however you choose to look at it. Mm -hmm. it's just that's just the deal. You know, I think if you don't get no point getting mad about I it. I mean, if you can't like George Jones, I guess that's your problem. I don't know. <laughs> Does your wife like Dolly Parton, though? Uh huh. OK then I think your marriage is fine. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, it feels like it. She just made me a really good sandwich. It feels like we're doing great. At least from my perspective, your wife likes Dolly Parton and makes good sandwiches. You're going to make it. Yeah. We're going to get fine. through this. We're the, the we're going to get through this. <laughs> I think this, this is a hurdle we'll be able to overcome with no, with, with very little difficulty, I think. And I think George Jones would say the same if you had the chance to ask him. Probably. He probably would. He probably would. Or he'd say, like, <laughs> lay off me. I'm driving a lawnmower to go get another bottle of whiskey. That's the that's also what he might. Oh, uh, well, yeah, that's, that's probably what he would say. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's a real story. I, I thought that was just kind of common knowledge. I didn't realize until recently that not everyone knows that that's a real story. That's what he he did. Do you know about that? Fully believe that. Yeah, he. he yeah, because it wasn't that on that. The Mike Judge thing that he did, right? I never watched that, the, but I... The Tales from the Tour. I think I need to, but I haven't. I saw a few of them, and it's it's great. Yeah. Okay, so you know. you know, It's definitely worth a watch. Yeah. You know the Jones yeah, yeah, War. Yeah. Those, those old school country dudes were absolutely bonkers, too. I feel like they partied harder than most of the rock stars of their, that were known for partying. I feel like the country guys were putting them under yeah. the table. Yeah. 
Yeah, 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 for sure. Have you ever heard the one about... Like, I bet if you... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I was just saying, if, if you put, like, Jerry Lee Lewis and Slash in a room and, and tried to have them swap stories, I think, you know, I think I know who would cry first, probably. <laughs> almost almost certainly. <laughs> yeah. I was I was just going to bring up I don't know if you've ever heard the it's it's one of those it's a uh, you know no one can confirm or deny rumors but the the story about Waylon Jennings and the the Oakland Raiders I don't think I know that one So this the the rumor is the Oakland Raiders were losing really bad to somebody and Waylon was there and they were just getting just absolutely pummeled by whatever team it was and so at halftime Waylon came into the locker room pours out an enormous bag of cocaine and it was like all right boys go to town and don't 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 lose this thing for me and and apparently that they, they went they went out to win the game after that uh how much of that is true how much of that is completely made up i don't know but i kind of like to imagine that it's all true just because i do it's probably somewhere in the middle but yeah i don't think that's off the table did you ever see anything like in your years of touring, I'm sure you never saw that because that may or may not have happened. But did you ever see anything that was just totally insane that you yeah, can share publicly? I saw a couple. Of th- <laughs> <laughs> that's that's where I'm getting uh, that's where I'm getting a little torn. Um, I might just have to fill you in on that at an, at another time in a non-recorded deal. But um, we got to stop this podcast. I mean, every once in a while, there's a kind of like. <laughs> It's like, oh, I just I just wanted to go to the bathroom. Oh, people are definitely doing drugs. Okay, fine, whatever. Big deal. That happens. Yeah. But um there <laughs> but there was a night in Florida, of course. Of course. And uh <laughs> of course. Okay. S- somebody offered to put us up for the night and we were super broke and we we're like, "Cool, you seem nice and that seems free, so let's go." And another band on the bill was like, you're going to have a weird night, but enjoy. In fact, we'll probably see you over there. And uh, uh, she uh, was somebody who danced on tabletops for money, who was very loaded by the time we got over there. And it was a weird night. Oh. That's that's what I can say about that. <laughs> okay, gotcha. That's probably, probably all we need to know. I mean... When you're very aware, you're like, I really hope that she doesn't get hurt and die tonight because, like, this is how headlines are made. And we didn't do anything, you know? So Right. Gotcha. One of those things. Yeah. Well, so we're getting down to the last few minutes. And this is going to, this is a, it's hard to go, it's hard to go, like, somewhere from that story. uh, Because. Yeah, I know. It's all. Yeah, sorry about that. Obviously, we can't incriminate or uh, (laughs) maybe the statute of limitations. (laughs) I don't know. Um but I definitely understand what you're talking about. <laughs> so let's go. Uh, let's go for the last couple questions, and maybe we can button this thing up. Okay. All right. We haven't talked about pedals in a while. We haven't. So I don't know if that was. <laughs> we haven't. That's. It's okay. It's, this is just how this podcast goes sometimes. But we're going to talk about pedals. Fair enough. Here's some cl- okay. classic questions. What is your favorite boss pedal? Uh, favorite boss pedal. Besides, I still use their tuner. I like that one. But um, I think the RV3 uh, reverb delay is still a great sounding thing that does a lot. And um, my big go-to blowout distortion for a long time was just the the bass overdrive. Oh, Um, there you go. Mine's all all broken and hideous now. But um, 
I have a lot of fond memories of that pedal, and I think it probably if I bought a new one, it would still hold up. Yeah, how Although broken I, is I've it? Kind of, it does it not work at all? Well, it's. I think it's. I think it's just kind of like so corroded and gross that all the all the dials are stuck where they are, and you know, just it's just old and worn out. Mm, like me, I understand. I'd like and my and myself as well. Yeah, our dials are stuck and we're old and worn out and we're just set in our ways. That's what happens. Your dials get stuck. So it's not, you know, when you get older, mm-hmm. that's what's up with these old crotchety guys. Their dials are just stuck. They need some deoxit, <laughs> deoxit blown on there. Loosen them up a little bit. <laughs> the base it's helpful. The base overdrive. All right. Good good call. Good call. That was a, these this one I always uh, expect I've, it to go I've, deeper and like longer and everyone's just like, "Yeah, no, that's my favorite one." Like, man, I'd really have to think about that mm-hmm. question. But not nobody seems to have to think about it that much. It's pretty immediate. That's interesting. Well, you said favorite boss pedal. If you said, you know, favorite distortion pedal, that would be a whole other thing cuz that's one of those things I always have a wandering eye for. Um specifically. Well, what's on what's on board um, right now that's really tripping your trigger? Well, so right now, um, I still have the the Fuzzrocious Rat Tail, and right now I also have uh, an OCD. But the one that I use the most for this band is the uh, the Rusty Box. The Rusty Box. Who makes that? It's made Tronographic. I don't know that brand or that pedal, so that's this is new to me. Well, what what that pedal is, and I knew about it, and I used it a little bit on the record, and then when we were figuring out what touring was going to be like, it was just like I think that's the thing that I actually need. It's um, it it's a Trainer TS fifty B bass amp, but in a in pedal form. Oh, okay. So the the easiest the easiest way to explain that to to nerds is it's it's Bob Weston. It's the Bob Weston amp as a pedal. Gotcha. That's cool. That sounds awesome. And it just gives it this kind of, yeah, it just gives it like a, um, just a real kind of like metallic hedge clippery kind of thing that for this band, it's perfect because, um, having two very loud guitar players, um, you know, and like, it's weird. Frank, Frank's tone is generally like, generally it's like two combo amps, but it's surprisingly, kind of like round and chunky a lot of the time. Um, like you would think it was, you know, coming out of a 412 kind of thing, but it's not. That's just, I don't know how he does it, but that's kind of what he does. Um, and Evans, I think, is a little more mid-rangey, but still pretty thick. So finding a way to make the bass sit in the mix, that thing just does it really well. Um, and it can be subtle, or you could. there's also a boost on it that'll push it a little more. But... Um, for some reason, every time I, I turn that thing on, it's like, that's what I wanted, you know? <laughs> that's the sound. Yeah, I really like that there's... There... But, and that with the metal bass, too, is is kind of a... Oh, with the EGC, like, together, I, that... I can't believe... I was going to talk about that so long ago, and I completely forgot. I wanted to talk about that bass <laughs> specifically, and I, I've been, it's been okay. on my list this whole... Okay, we might have to go a little bit long. That's okay, because we got to talk about that bass. Uh, whatever you want to do. Tell me about that. If okay. you got time, I would like to talk about that bass for a couple more minutes before we wrap this up. Sure, no problem. Yeah, I'm good. Whatever you got to do. All right, tell um, me about that thing. Okay, so it's, uh, it's an electrical guitar company. 
uh, the whole thing is aluminum and it's, um, it has two humbuckers in it, but I pretty much always just leave the selector right in the middle. So, uh, initially I thought what I wanted was for him to make me, uh, what was essentially an aluminum, uh, P base elite. Okay. Which is what, <clears throat> which is what Paul from Shiner plays. Um, just like, yeah, like, so it's like a jazz based configuration, except they're P based pickups. So it's going to sound even tougher, that kind of thing. That's basically what it is. Gotcha. It's, it's a metal double P base, but it's awesome. It just, there's, it, it, it runs a little hot. So with other bases, you might have to like slightly overdrive it or something to get the same thing as this thing going straight in does. Okay. Got it. Um, but then, but there's also kind of a sustain and there's kind of a, I guess it's got kind of a mid rangey thing where it just, it just kind of tends to really pop, you know? What made you want to go, cool. go I love for the, the aluminum in the first place? Um, it was just one of those things I just saw on my Facebook memories the other day that I got it five years ago. Um, and, uh, I don't know. At the time, it was just like they were really starting to get out there and I was starting to see them around and just thought they were super cool. And I knew a couple of people who had one and they're like, yo, dude, it's a whole thing. Um, I think you'd be into it if you've got the money right now and can wait a little while for it to be ready. I suggest jumping on it and you'll be stoked when it shows up. And that's that's how it played out. Very cool. Yeah, I've never I've never played the a bass from them. I've played a King Buzzo all, the all aluminum guitar and I I was yeah. like I I hadn't played one ever and I was like, "Man, those look super cool. I wonder if they're as cool as everyone says they are." And I played that guitar and was like, "It's cooler than everyone says it is." Like, I love this thing. And uh I And it's I'm and just, it's hard to explain how exactly, but it just is. It is. It's it, it's it's a sound thing, but it's a feel thing as well. That uh, I thought that I wasn't gonna like the coldness and the slickness because you know, like on my guitars, I generally mm -hmm. like like a satin neck. I mean, I have them on in mm -hmm. various different uh, finishes, but like if you had to add, have me spec one out, I'd ask for a satin neck. So I really thought it was gonna be like sticky city on that thing, and I didn't have problems with that at all. It's not. Yeah. Um. It it feels a little weird at first. Um, and especially the cold thing, um, you just have to learn to get it warm fast, you know, instead of leaving it out outside or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, but when, but once you get used to it, I don't know, there's also this thing where it just sort of like, it feels trustworthy somehow, you know what I mean? Like, you're like, yeah, this thing is metal. It's going to be fine. I don't know what it is. There's just something that's sort of like, Hey man, give me your, give me your best shot. I can take it, mm -hmm. um, that I like about it. But I remember the first show that I played with it when the house lights went down and the stage lights went up and this thing is like as shiny as it's ever been. And the lights hit that thing and it looked like, you know, a tic-tac-toe board or a disco ball or something was hitting the crowd. I was kind of like, worth every penny, man. <laughs> <clears throat> Sorry, that almost kicked up a cough. I was like, just to sign a uh, throw a disco ball on the crowd. It's that's that's really what that's the secret. That's the only reason anybody gets one. It's it's part it's part of the appeal. Yeah. Yeah um they're cool um yeah we were talking about making something else at some point and it's kind of like man i don't know what i would change like i've gotten so used to this one and it's 
you know, 95% of what I've played with this whole band has been that. Um, I had it towards the end of, of MBD, but I was, I was using it in C standard tuning for that band. Mm-hmm. Um, just cause the, the bass that I had been using for that was getting kind of old and it's like, well, let's let that one retire and we'll bring this one in. And it was like, I like how it looks and it sounds fine, but for the Frank stuff, we only tune down a half step or there's a couple of, you know, drop C sharp deals. Um, I realized how much I hadn't actually heard what that thing really sounds like until I got it into a more reasonable, you know, human tuning. Um, because before it was just like, yeah, it's just makes low bass notes. Cool. That's what I want, you know, but having it, you know, tuned up to, to where it is now. Um, and I can actually hear what makes it sound unique and stuff. I'm all about it, man. It's awesome. That's awesome. Very cool. Very cool. All right, man. Well, we have one more final question for you. If you, if you think you're ready for it. Okay. So here we go. Uh, let's give it a shot. What kind of pizza do you like? Oh, I mean, there are so many kinds of pizza. That, are we talking style or are we talking toppings? No, just like uh, your favorite kind of pizza specifically. Crust, if you got a, if you got a place you like, you know, all, all the nitty gritty details. Well, it, pizza, as you know, is something that comes into your life in a lot of different forms as a touring person. Um, so sometimes it's just like, hey, what's available? But, um, you know, I don't have I don't draw a hard line, you know, versus, you know, like uh, like New York style or versus Chicago or any of that. I, I kind of like it all. Um, usually I, I like some kind of a, a meat thing and maybe something peppery something like that but i i am on team keep your pineapple away from it if that's really what you're trying to ask me i, I, I don't I, buy I mean, pineapple on it's a vile thing. fruit and it deserves to it deserves, deserves to be punished if i'm being honest so yeah uh, that's how yeah. i feel about it that's just in general i just uh if you like it that's fine but uh keep it away from me i don't, I don't want to look at it like i don't mind if like, I don't mind if you use it to make al pastor for tacos, but I don't want the chunks still in there when I get it. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I'm happy I'm happy to not see it, but with the knowledge that it might have been involved, I can deal with that. But I don't want to see it. Yeah, it's something about it. I don't know. It's it's weird because, like, the description of it seems like it should tick a lot of boxes for me, and I, sh- and I should like it. Again, going back to the vocalist thing, I just don't. I don't know what it is. There's right. something. It's kind of like I wonder if I have the gen, a genetic defect in the same way that people who have uh, the genetic problem that makes cilantro taste like soap. Like, right. That's a real thing, and I wonder if I'm like broken it is, in a way. It is a real thing, and it's like you know I'm I'm not down with pineapple, but I totally love cilantro. So same. I don't know. I, it's just the hand I was dealt. Yeah. So. And living yeah. where I live, I feel like that's a better... Th- yeah, that's fine. There's not a lot of palm trees around here. I'm more likely to run into cilantro. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think you're safe up there. Although, I don't know, Portland seems like it might be a, you know, fruit on pizza friendly kind of kind of place. I mean, we just basically let anything happen here. So, yeah. It's just complete anarchy at all times. Yeah. It's true, but that, that's what I like about that town when I, when I do visit. Uh, it's like... Yeah, have you not had, you know, this incredible flan that's delivered by a guy on an old-timey bicycle? You really should. You're missing out, you know. And it turns out, like... That's- I couldn't deal with that every day, but... 
Well, yeah, that well, that's why I live in the burbs, technically. So it's a yeah. I, I can I can adjust my dosage as needed of of that's important. sourced gluten free, you know, free range flan. I don't know. <laughs> that, yeah, that could have been a big so, contradiction. Were, the, were these raspberries raised in a in a cruelty free environment? Because if they weren't, get out of my face. No, yeah, I don't know. I, whatever. I like extra <laughs> cruelty on my raspberries. I feel like it makes them sweeter. For sure. I like my, exactly. my raspberries to have been called a few names in their day. That's what I like. Yeah, they got something to prove. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a. There's no good fighters coming out of the, you know, the Hamptons. They're all coming from the slums. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. And fruit should not get a free pass on that. that Work for it. That's right. Get it. <laughs> Stop being so lazy, fruit. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. Get it together. <laughs> Yeah, get in a fight. You're going to learn something about yourself, and it's all going to be better. That's yeah. right. I'll tell that to the raspberries in my refrigerator when I get in the house. <laughs> Please do that. What a weird way to close this podcast out. You got anything you want to leave the folks with? I don't know what we haven't covered at this point. I mean, I'm sure I'll think of something later. But uh, I, I think we <laughs> we covered a lot. Where can people find you uh, on the internet? Oh, you know, or where would you like them to find you on the internet? <laughs> Rather, not where can oh, they well, find yeah, you, but probably... where... Where do you want them to find you? Uh, well, uh, if, uh, my my Instagram is the Situationist, and um, that's mostly going to be either pictures of pedals or what I'm listening to that I'm obsessing about at the moment, or something weird I saw on tour. Probably, um, I have a Twitter, but I don't really use it much. But I think that that is Battlebot. All right. Um, Mostly, I just use my Twitter account to be swearier than I would be on my Facebook because my mom is there. Uh, <laughs> that kind of stuff. All right. That works. That kind of thing. Cool. Um, yeah. Anything else to plug? Uh, yeah. Any more projects? Anything you, you want to you send people to? This is your chance. I'm going to click this stop button. Uh, not at the moment, but I, I I will send it to you uh, when and if that occurs. All right. But at the moment, no, I'm just uh, just taking it easy for a minute. All right. Sounds good, man. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. For Matt, this is Blake. And as always, folks, good luck and good tones. Okay, that's it. That is it for the episode. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. I mean, Matt's a cool guy. How could you not enjoy it? Listen to that guy. I mean, you might not enjoy it because I'm here, but if you listen this far, I'm at least tolerable. And if I'm at least tolerable, then maybe you find it enjoyable? I don't know. Either way, you can go over to Patreon and find more episodes. We've got almost 70 episodes over there on Patreon of additional content of me talking to people. Most of the time, it's me talking to the guests for an extended interview of sorts. And sometimes it's me and my good friend Justin Porter hanging out and nerding out. And sometimes it's me doing some noodly, weedly wheeze and showing you a new piece of gear or something weird. So it's a good time. And if you like the show and you've been looking for a way to support it, that is an easy way to do so. It's just five bucks a month, so it's pretty cheap. There's some other options there as well. It's all up to you, whatever you want to do. And either way, I really, really appreciate it. Another way you can help support the show for $0 is obviously by telling a friend, family, coworker, whoever you think might like this show. I've got a surprising amount of non-guitar players that listen to this. I, I don't quite understand that one, but I really appreciate it either way. And it's a, uh, it's a situation where I get 
quite literally paid by the download these days. So if you can help out in that way, every little download helps, and I really, really, really appreciate it. Okay, I think that's it for today. I will definitely be at NAM plugging the listener meetup again, 7 p.m. at the Anaheim Packing District. I will be there. Lots of folks are going to be there. It's going to be a good hang. So if you are at NAM, please come hang out. And I'm sorry to keep talking about NAM, but I'll stop now. All right, everybody, you have a good week. I will still be coming at you with some more content. And, you know, check out the show on Instagram and all that good stuff. I'm tired of plugging. I should stop plugging. You're tired of listening to me plug. Okay, goodbye. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is tonemob.com stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstreet as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out.